Okay, here we go. It's official. Oh. <laughs> it's the Mediocre Foilcast. It's, uh, what is today? Today's Wednesday, November something. I'm down here on location. This is Matt, and I got my buddy Andy. Say hi, Andy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah, we're down here in the van. Um, undisclosed location, but we'll say it's in Mexico. Yes. <laughs> And according to my notes here, I need to give a glowing introduction to Andy, of Andy, before we get him talking. So, I've been thinking about that today. I think it's been about 20 years since we've known each other. Yes. And I feel like we met within a couple hundred yards where we're sitting right now. You were the first person I met here. Yeah. I actually met your wife first. Yes. And I was like, oh, this chick seems pretty cool. And then here comes Andy. I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> Which is pretty much typical down here. There's pretty much never single women around. Well, when I first met you, you, I was here, and there was a yellow Xterra with some Japanese surfers. Oh, yeah. And you and your red truck, and you said, ah, nice to meet you, and I'm going down south. Yeah. Yeah, we went the back way to La Paz. Okay, so let me finish my intro, dude. Um, so yeah, 20 years or so, and Andy is one of those guys that's good at everything. I know you know the type. They're super <laughs> fucking annoying. Even relationships. <laughs> no, he's a good surfer. I'd say world-class surfer and snowboarder. Excellent small businessman and a really good father also. The relationships thing. I don't know if any of us are good at that. <laughs> Let's hear you talk about you. Tell us where you grew up, where you live, and what you do for a living. I grew up in Issaquah, Washington, just east of Seattle, very close to Snoqualmie Pass, um, on a mountain called Tiger Mountain. Those who mountain bike would know it in the Seattle area. Um, grew up a motocross racer and eventually found snowboarding in 1985 and snowboarding led to surfing at 16 in the coast of Washington and Oregon short sands um, near Bay and definitely a lot of Westport nice um, back when Westport didn't have a crowd or there was only one the surf shop yeah. Um, well, back then, in the old days, there was never a crowd anywhere. Yeah. In the Northwest. Oh, hardly anyone surfed. Yeah. Especially kids. Yeah. So we could camp at the jetty at Westport in our cars and no one cared. Nice. Which those days are, are long gone. But I'm sure the waves are still, still get good. Yeah, I love the Pacific Northwest, man. I, I kind of want to go back there someday. So where do you live now? Well, 22 years ago, I moved to Durango, Colorado via New Zealand. Um, I, I thought maybe we would live there. And uh, I don't know. We were couch surfing for a long time. I was married at the time and needed a home and was got sick of living on people's couches and uh, going on surf trips and uh snowboarding destinations and 
moved to Durango, Colorado for one year and one year only. Um, oh, that was the plan? The plan was one year and one year only so I could move back to the coast. Um, oh, wow. And my wife at the time went to massage school there and I started realizing that we had a river that ran through town for whitewater and a lot of mountain biking skiing nearby yeah and we cut a deal that said we would go surfing at least part of every winter if we were going to live in the mountains oh you had a deal a deal which brought me to meeting you <laughs> eventually we're soon thereafter actually only two years because there was some Nicaragua time in there when my brother was a high school teacher in Managua and then started doing Baja. I guess there was a Costa Rica in there and a mainland Mex. Oh, yeah. You were um, in mainland for a bit. Mexpa, Tikla. You hang at the ranch? Yeah, but that came after meeting uh, you and coming to Baja. And then there was uh, several trips that Baja to ferry. To, to mainland, to ranch, to Nexpa, and then all the way, all the way down, not quite to where we should have gone. That, um, we'll edit that out. Yeah. Fucking say that. <laughs> Nuts. The uh, I'll edit that one out too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you learned to adapt, and you know, you stayed in Colorado. Sounds like. Learn to adapt. Yeah. Lots of trips. Yeah. Copy that. You're still doing lots of trips too. Lots um, of trips. So that's a pretty, pretty good water sports background. Well, I had a scurfer. <laughs> I don't know where that comes in. It was really hard and it was better than kneeboarding. That just shows you how fucking old you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think snowboarding since 1985 shows me how old. Yeah, that seriously. Let's me feel it. Today. Yeah. What was your first snowboard? My first snowboard that I owned was, I think, an '87 Burton Performer. Oh, I don't remember that one. The first one I rode was an '85 Performer Elite with the actual metal skegs in the bottom. Oh, uh, was that before the Woodies? No, after. Uh after. That was my first. It was a Woody 135. Yeah, I, I'm. I was pretty lucky to have grown up in the era that I did in the location. Yeah. Because snowboarding really, in Tahoe and the Northwest was, it was just an incredible time. Nice. Of progression, with Craig Kelly and Peter Line was from our local local area. Uh, People that really pushed the sport into a new level. Yeah. Uh, that monumental change of style and um, off-axis tricks, which are everything now. Yeah, Even right? in surfing. Yeah, uh, totally. Maybe in foiling, too. Fuck, for some people. Certainly not for me. It's not for me. I like staying <laughs> grounded or watered, whatever, whatever that means. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. That was the other part of my bio I wanted to put in there. My my business that is, uh, I think, about 10 years old now was originally modeled on one of yours, initially mm. at least. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That is definitely cool. 
Um, Tell us about your businesses. As far as I know, you have three. Yeah, three, three official. Uh, I've always been a carpenter and started off as a general contractor. Well, started off as just a carpenter so that I could go surfing in the winter. Didn't have any fuck all responsibility. Could just take off and be like, I'm out of here. Yeah, I know a little something about that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> then for some reason, I decided to be the boss. And uh, so started building houses. Then one day I was actually on a surf trip in Santa Cruz uh, with my brother. And I saw, I went to his, a family member of his, his house that was a designer. And I saw these countertops with a bunch of Indonesian coins in it. And they were bluish gray. And I thought, wow, those are amazing. I'm going to learn how to make those. So little did I know, I was on the forefront of decorative concrete. Mm -hmm. um, and I still lived in a little town, but decided I was going to do it. And we, one turned into two, turned into 10, turned into 20 to 100 to 1,000 jobs, I'd say. Yeah. Um, 15 years, easy, right? Uh, yeah, a little over 15 years. And we've worked in, right now, we are working in decorative, in concrete, expensive concrete around yeah like countertops furniture pieces i've seen you do big soaker tubs now they're fucking ridiculous giant soaker tubs giant uh single piece islands wall tiles massive wall tiles for houses a lot mostly in colorado but our work is up in washington and kind of all over and then we had a big shop and I had always been into vans, like the one we're hanging out in right now. It was kind of a necessity in surfing in Washington. If anyone's been to Nia Bay, they know the weather is god awful, um, unless you're really into rain, um, <laughs> and you need to be sheltered, or it's really, really wet. Yeah. And so vans are campers, and uh, I loved vans and wanted another one, and. So I started a van building company, long story short, and we still build vans, but now we're like a, a van service where people like to call all the time and ask how to build their own van. <laughs> it's a van hotline. It's a van hotline <laughs> of the Southwest. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a full metal therapist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just train people how to do my job so they can cut me out of the fucking equation. That's... We like to, you know, Van Lab, we solve your electrical problem for free. For free. It's way better than YouTube. No, it's actually at our cost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, um, one of the perks of being a small business owner. Yes. No, we build camper vans, um, solar systems, in vans, anything to do with the back end. And we do, you know, lift systems and suspension and all that. Are you guys buying any vans spec or are you just upfitting customer vans? We are trying to buy vans on spec that never get delivered. So buying any van right now is really hard. So we're lucky yeah. to have work and have vans to build. Is it because buying a car is hard or is it because van life is exploded? Van life's exploded. You chip shortages. You can't get... Uh, for transits, you can barely get sprinters. Um, wow. So last year we did a, a big school bus for some folks from Alaska. 
that it was actually really rewarding. Um, my thing I like asking, and if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to, is what do your parents do for work? I always find that interesting. Um, well, my dad's a mechan was a mechanical engineer. He's retired. He's retired. And my mom was a nurse um, and then raised three kids. Um, and I wasn't the easiest kid to raise, nor was my brother. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of practices. Uh, I played a lot of sports as a kid. Pretty much everything. I don't know, three sports a year and just loved them all. I guess Sounds if, like a terrible kid. What? <laughs> Yeah, I, if anything, I've uh, if anything, I've always been overly passionate. Sometimes to my downfall. Mm. Um, yeah, you don't go in half cocked. No, and especially like, as we all know that all surfers know, I think surfing puts a strain on some relationships, the craze and the scarcity of it all. Yeah, well, that's why foiling is so remarkable. But if you're going to be a surfer, there's really only one way to do it. It's got to be pretty much full in. Yeah. You know? I I agree. At least for a good chunk of your life, if you want to do it, you know, if you want to kind of keep that muscle memory into your later years, it's pretty intense. It's super intense and, and also super rewarding. And I think yeah. that's where I, well, I know you and I agree, but it, it, yeah, it's added so much in to our lives to be in some of these remote places and uh, some great people. Yeah, it's pretty magic. But the world's full of magic and new things too. So let's talk about foiling. Why did you start? Well, let's, let's preface that a little bit. You're pretty much right now just wing foiling. Is that right? Just wing foiling. Right. Reason being is that I don't, I mean, I live thousands of miles from any ocean. Um, so I've come to Mexico to to foil or I come to Mexico to surf and and kite surf, which turned into wing foiling kite surfing. We tried on our local reservoir uh -huh. and it was God awful, terrible, scary, yeah. no launch. And I was really bummed. I was like, man, I want to do this. And I really this just isn't working. It doesn't work here. It's too scary. And we get such gusty winds. Mm -hmm. We get quite a bit of wind, but it's just like, it can be up, down, and it can be like really gusty. So, so that's pretty good timing, right? When you were kind of discouraged and ready to bail on kiting, at least in Colorado, the winging thing was kind of starting. Was kind of, Yeah, it was starting. And... I had spoken to you about foiling, not even knowing that winging was... Yeah, we were just talking about prone foiling. Yeah, a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and then my buddy John, um, who, who surfs a bit, surfs... We, we also surfed a river, so there's a, uh, there's yeah. a group of river surfers in town that are an easy sell on another water sport. If gotcha. they're stupid enough to surf the river <laughs> and think it's fun, then they're, they're game for anything. Yeah, they're game for anything. Because <laughs> it's totally. actually not that cool. No. <laughs> but every once in a while, it gets good enough, and you get like a hard, like, like you, 
if the level's just right because it's a natural play park it's not like we don't have like a bladder and enhancements and stuff oh, it, okay. it, it's a natural kayak park it has been modified for kayaking but we figured out at super super different levels we can serve it well um but it's fickle and standing there on a soft longboard and standing going forward is yeah. not not our cup of tea it's one step above rollerblading basically it's it is <laughs> and on the odd day it's many steps above it and it's cool but not that cool anyway that led us to well we're kind of in a in an interesting position in durango because all of a sudden we got a new reservoir i didn't know that that was new it it was a there was a treaty as i understand it that needed to be uh, i guess it was some rights that need to be exercised by one of the local tribes and they had water rights into our local river and they owned this basin and so it was about 10 or 12 years ago where they oh, built a wow. pump system and filled up one of our basins so they pumped it pump it up a hill i didn't know that was a thing and it's so it's stellar like it's beautiful and they just keep pumping as they need it yeah and it's like guaranteed water rights and you know it's they built then then what they did was they leased a part back to the city oh, cool. so the city could build like a little beach thing and a, and a little marina, which we launch out of on the foils. Nice. Um, and that's where we had tried to kite. And then once we saw a foil and like back to what I was saying, my buddy John had watched some videos like we got to get into this. You mentioned it. And so we went straight out um, on real water sports and bought a foil package not knowing anything about foiling or how big anything was and what um wing size to get so i got a 4.6 which was kind of small, small. Yeah. and then i got a ride engine uh moon buddy 120 liters wow that's huge huge with a really heavy wing foil i don't know what it was it's terribly heavy i can't even pick it up you got to start somewhere though you know and you're like in a vacuum there basically so you guys are like the pioneers essentially yeah we couldn't see anything or touch it yeah so size was size on a website didn't really mean anything yeah i've actually heard nick talk about um he was up in the outer banks a couple of years ago, and he probably drove the people real crazy. He's like, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to touch everything. I'm going to have them pull everything out. I'm going to put my hands on all their boards and all their foils. I just want to see it and feel it. Oh. I was like, <laughs> and I'm sure he did. I did that the first time I went to a wind dance in the Hood River. Oh, wow. And I was like touching everything and like, wonder what I need next. Yeah. And like trying to figure all of that out. Um, That's kind of part of why nick and i decided to start doing this podcast is to hopefully get some info out there to people that are in a vacuum even though sports really progress a lot it's, it's that's really hard and foiling especially the gear is really important the gear in the beginning was just whatever would get us up on our gusts mm -hmm. and at first i had too small of a wing so we stepped up to six meter wings which we can dump dump power pretty easy which 
but it helps us get through the lulls yeah. uh, a little bit. And then we kind of learned how to pump, which which took a you know a better foil right to carry some what's some the speed. wind range do you think like say it's a, a day you're flying your six what uh, would a meter read well it blows like i would say it averages like 15 maybe 13 to 20. but what would the what would the bottom law be in the top gust like how big is that range like would it go like 6 to 26 on the meter uh stay like 13 to 20 on that range yeah it would go six to 20. yeah yeah it goes zero to 20. yeah that's no good for kiting Fuck that it's terrible for kiting but it's great for it works for winging let's say that it's not great yeah gusty but, wind is never great but it's not always gusty and i mean when we come into the fall season i live on the edge of the mountains and the desert there's wind and when the weather's going to change and we have those two, the hot and cold in that rapid change, then we have a consistent wind. And I mean, one day I went out there in the snow and it was amazing. Really? Yeah. It was nuking and snowing on me. Wow. And I was the only person around. Yeah, no shit. So, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I had to do it. Yeah. When you're frothing, you're frothing. doesn't fucking matter if it's snowing. Mm -mm. you're just like oh my god i can actually like learn something here and i froth so hard that like i froth to my own detriment often same yeah i kind of think that that's like the spice of life uh being somewhat obsessed with something and i think if you really lose that i think you just kind of degrade totally yeah, use it or lose it, really. I mean, physically and mentally, yeah. Like, where where I live, there's a lot of 70-year-old athletes. Oh, I believe it. And I'll, I want to, I'll have many, like, plastic parts and stuff, but I, that's what I want. I want to still be stoked. Yeah, me too. Down here, there's a lot of 70-year-olds that want to be athletes, but haven't put the effort in. Yeah. And they're fully paying for it. Yes. That's what I don't want to do. Yes. And I think at our age, it's time to start working harder. It doesn't, shit doesn't come nearly as easy to me as it used to. Yeah. I think, I, I think a, a general yoga practice and yeah. um, probably less alcohol than, uh, than more. Yeah. Always. Is better for your joints. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Ah, so we both take a nice sip drink of fucking beer. Um, so you, we know your favorite version is is winging because that's kind of all you're doing. What, what's your favorite thing about it, though? And also, how do you think it's changed your overall relationship of? Well, my favorite thing about it is is that there's now five of us in the whole town, and the camaraderie between like John and I and and our buddy Andrew now that shows up is amazing. And then just to be out there when you hook into the wind and it just like rips you across to the other side of the lake, you know, it, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. And I, I have always liked riding powder. And I, I heard someone say once that riding a foil is like low angle pow all day. And sure enough, that is what it's like is low angle backcountry skiing. 
Low angle means like not super steep. Not super steep. So you can still get that groove on and then you're not really worried about like avalanches. Gotcha. So you're not like in fear. You're just kind of like cruising. cruising. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that, the more of that you can have in your life, the better. I mean, if you could, if you could cruise all day, whatever you're doing and just have that vibe like something you're doing is right and yeah. so i like trying to find it yeah and the thing about the crew too like that's been a big surprise for me because being a surfer i can have friends that surf it doesn't mean i want to fucking surf with them like yeah. you know and but foiling has really put that on its head it's like let's go everyone yeah because <laughs> it's so abundant you know, the variables are like so easy to to meet whereas surfing's got this long list of variables and it can seem impossible to get them to start lining up sometimes yeah know? yeah one of the things i loved about learning how to whitewater kayak and whitewater kayaking was that people were just down there having fun they're friendly yeah, great super friendly and and so when you i kind of noticed that in kiting but like going to like hood river or laventana or something like that it's kind of crazy yeah and so being able to foil in some remote place with your friends like i i drew i used to drool like now we don't have paper magazines so much but like you know going deep into bc or when the guys surfed iceland or alaska i was like yeah. oh my god i'd be on that trip in the seven mil i don't care oh yeah i don't care how cold i am i want to experience it foiling for us like we just went to a new reservoir that we didn't think anyone's probably ever foiled and had no idea and it was just like this cool frontier and i mean we as surfers all know we wanted to find a place that was desolate and have no one there totally um or just a friend or two not 10 yeah <laughs> so foiling 10's fine yeah. so you don't have to say that you don't even have to think about it. You're just like, you know, the other day I took a photo because there was five trucks with foils behind. I think I sent it yeah, to you, you and I was like, we're, this is a, this scene is just starting. And, and for me in my life, like I came from snowboarding when they wouldn't let us on the chairs yeah. on the weekends. We had to go like Monday through Thursday at night. And, and I mean, I, I like, come on, we showed them. It became eventually more snowboards than skis and yeah. um we've we've we evolved and found the right tool for the location yeah and now we just found it again yeah i i think there's just a fundamental difference too between like foiling and surfing because that's where my mind is it's mostly like surf foiling is like in all the time in all these situations when I'm out, I'm like, how many guys could actually be out here until I started getting bummed out? And I just can't really figure it out. The only thing that bums me out is when like um, there's some grumpy surfers around or occasionally we'll get like towards the pier and stuff, which we try to avoid. And that that bums me out. Um, but like when we're in the inlet and stuff, there could be a lot of guys out there and the stoke level would just be through the fucking roof. Yeah. Is it like Hood River? Yeah. There's a lot of people in the water. Oh, I bet. But the stoke level is super high. Nice. And that, 
every, I mean, it's not like you're that close to like running someone over like you do in surf. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, like, oh, I see you. I'm not going to, I'm not coming that close. And it's just that you don't find that at the surf break. You're not like, ah, stoke level was high. There was a hundred people out. No one's stoked. No. That's pretty much what everyone's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in a way we have a way to, a chance to make sure foiling doesn't turn into surfing, but that's kind of my point is I don't think it's possible because it's fundamentally like such an abundant thing. Um, I could be wrong, you know, maybe in 50 years or something, but surfing is just fundamentally scarce. Good real waves are hard to come by without a shitload of fucking dudes on them. Or a shitload of ingenuity or equipment. Yeah. Planes. Yeah. Jet skis. Hard to come by. Yeah. You got yeah. Hard to come by. Extra hard. And it's getting harder. Get it. Yeah. I sure. agree. Um, Another Pacifica. <laughs> so how, how do you think, has it helped you with like the angst of being a surfer? Because it's helped me a ton. Kiting and foiling have really taken the pressure off of me for... Yeah, it has because even thinking about a surf trip when I thought it might be windy at home, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, like those are the that's the time of year when we get the, the good wind. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather plan a, a surf trip at a different time. And yeah, yeah, of course, like any time in the water, I think helps a landlocked person um, at least be, I don't know, stoked on just getting wet and still the same like stoke. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's a, that's the thing to me is is like maybe even more so because it's easier to obtain and you don't have to like like we were just saying you have to put a serious effort in to find a way that isn't super crowded you know you camp in the dirt or you have insane bugs or you freeze your ass off or whatever yeah i mean if you're going to the fringes and i think that like you and i have looked for those fringes and enjoyed it but it comes at a cost i mean yeah it comes it's at a expensive cost. yeah it's increasing cost too you're your life and your relationships and i mean that's one of the great things i see is like when i came on this trip for example i pretty much didn't even look at the forecast because it doesn't matter i knew i was bringing a foil i was bringing some kite gear you know i got surfboards in the van and it's like i'm stoked either way it doesn't matter what the forecast says really yeah and that's that's a huge game changer because like a normal surf trip, there's a ton of angst with about getting skunked, you know. Oh, it sucks. Night and day. Yeah, night and day. Like where we are now, it'd be really hard to be skunked. I think it's pretty much impossible. Yeah, at this point. I yeah. have. I don't see how backup do plan after backup oh, plan, yeah. and I know that in my past twenty years here. Even before you kited, which I came after you, like, we would have sat here. Oh, yeah, we did. For weeks. And got crusty. And, and got we hated the blasted by came. sand. Yeah, we hated them. I called them wind fucks. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like, a good example of that is, I don't know if it was last year or maybe the year before, the wind blew so hard that it blew sand up and over the dune and six feet high into all my veggies. 
that were hanging from the <laughs> oh, camper. God. Are you serious? Yeah, I put it like an, an, an inch layer of sand in the little, little like hanging veggie thing. And I was like, well, that sucks, but at least it was windy and I went foiling. Yeah, right. <laughs> that sounds like an afternoon up in Scorps in the springtime. It's just like, my truck will never be the same after today. <laughs> It's like a half inch dusting with sand on the windshield. Yeah. The hood, everything. Um, so we kind of went over what you've ridden. Your crew's up to well, five people now. We, my crew's up to five people. We what? still have equipment to go. Yeah, through. so you're, what are you riding now? Well, my progression was a 120 liter Moon Buddy, a 90 liter, I guess it's a, they call it like AK equipment. But it was like a, I think it was like a partnership between two companies. Uh, 90 liters. So that was your next, your step down. I stepped down to that and that's not bad for around like Colorado. And then I recently went to a 72 liter, um, which just barely floats me. Yeah. What do you weigh? I weigh 150. Yeah. Um, and I mainly have a wetsuit on. Mm -hmm. um, not all summer, but so 72 liters feels like a, a great, I've been able to, you know, use it everywhere. Um, especially when I went to the lift, uh, foil right now, I'm on a 150 surf V2. And before that I was on the one, a 200 surf V2, which right. was too big for my weight. Yeah. Like I really didn't use it very long or need it. I thought I needed it until I left it. And then I was like, oh, that's why I was breaching so much. Yeah. And I bet you could leave your 150 now and realize that you still had plenty of bottom to go. You know, you, yeah. you probably look back and think that was big too. That's been my experience. I got this 90 in my van, highest back 90. Uh huh. And I'm pretty sure I could ride it. I'm just fucking scared of it. Honestly, I can see that it's pretty, pretty insane looking. Yeah, the the 150 Surf V2 feels like I can handle the the wind in Colorado that goes up and down a lot, so it is versatile. But I went, I've gone to Hood River the last three summers, I guess, and like really got good wind, like anywhere from 20 to 35, <laughs> um, like nuking pulling me over on a like a 3.5 um and i was like wow i could use something even smaller mm -hmm. when it's when it's just juicy like that i have to at home at least account for the up and down nature yeah. of it all um because yeah. it's coming through mountains right it's coming off the desert and yeah. like where durango is it's running into the san juans and there's just this crazy wind but it has like these, it would probably kill you on a kite. If you, yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have yet to see anyone successfully like kite it on a regular basis. But winging, I don't know. We probably got 20 days in this summer, maybe more. That's pretty impressive. That's not man. bad for, yeah. for working and having a kid and have an actual um, life. And, and, yeah. a relationship and all that yeah and riding a lot of bikes i mean mm -hmm. yeah you guys stay busy for sure but foiling's taking priority over biking 
which is a statement because the Vikings yeah, say where I live. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to others that are kind of just starting and maybe also kind of in a similar situation to you where you're, you know, in a vacuum? Well, now, I mean, I'll, I, the same as everybody, don't get too small of equipment yeah. because I know that from surfing when I went to school in Australia and bought some Nev boards that were shaped, you know, just like Slater's boards. Mm -hmm. This was in the 90s. And uh, I sh never should should have bought those boards. Yeah. But I didn't know any different. And that's all that was really for sale. And I learned my lesson because once I got really a better board, I was like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? And um, I think the same thing with foiling, like, have have a big board and go out and have fun or you know a big enough a big enough foil to so that you can learn how to stand up on it and then you'll eventually learn how to carve around um, yeah so really unless you've got some kind of other experience like you've already been prone foiling or maybe if you're an expert stand-up paddleboarder that's used to standing on like a smaller paddleboard you know I think you got to yeah. start like 120 liters probably. At least. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Five, At least. Six I, meter wing. And I don't think you'd go, I don't think you need to go like the inflatable giant route unless you're like doing it once. I think if you, you have to A, say I'm committed to this and then yeah, 120 to 140 liter board, depending on how big you are. I'm yeah. actually, I'm small. And then you, You'll know. I think you know when it's time. You're like, okay, I'm, I just did a jibe. Sweet, I'm feeling this. Or, like, I find it, you know, with with these original, the big wings that we had, the ride engine ones, it was, like, really hard to turn them. Mm. Like, I couldn't lean the, I couldn't lean it over. It was too big for me to even turn at speed. Um so we just like come down off a foil kind of thing and just ride on the board. Well, it's just you couldn't even barely initiate the turn. Oh. It was so slow. And that's one thing. When I went to the lift uh, 200, I was like, oh, okay. Because I know how to turn. I've been doing turns on a skateboard and a snowboard and a surfboard my really my whole life. Yeah. Um, and one of those things is you learn how to turn too sharp. If you come from those backgrounds, if you come from a snowboard, you're going to turn too sharp because that's what you expect it to do. And it doesn't really do that. It's a different, like, it's a low angle pow turn. You take them and you kind of exaggerate them, you know, draw them out. I yeah. Like I mean, yeah. like, like you just smoke a bunch of weed and <laughs> just, <laughs> just draw them out. Yeah. So what are you working towards? What's your goals with foiling? Prone foiling. Yeah. Where? You need to come to Charleston, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, Mexico. Yeah. Because I'm going to live here uh, at some point. Anywhere. I mean, my goal is to be as proficient at wing foiling, prone foiling, and surfing as I can at my age. And so there is no... It's like, well, what are we doing today? We're doing whatever the condition, conditions dictate. Yeah. Like, is it sloppy and sh like small out? Well, let's go. Yeah. 
Because I don't want to sit around and mope. Totally. I never have. That's how you get old. That's how you get old. Yeah, so how are you going to do this? How are you going to start proning? Dude, the wind's going offshore. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Right, this interview's over. Well, bam! No. <laughs> uh, that's because I put jeans on. Um, how am I going to do that? Yeah, what's your plan? Listen to you. Listen to the mediocre fucking foil. That's how I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be a certified genius. Well, uh, they have to... I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually know what my next step is. Yeah. Other than I enjoy the shit out of winging. So if I find the location that works for us for prone, then I'm on it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if you really want to, probably a trip to to Charleston, just come see me. And then down here, you know, you could do, there's a lot of spots on the East Cape. Oh, I know. Yeah. I've, I've been eyeing them and watching them. And soon enough, I'll live close enough yeah. to, to have more time. And hopefully. When do you think you're going to live down here? I don't know. I mean, definitely like have a house within five years. Yeah. Word. Um, but, you know, I'm raising a 13 year old and so we'll see. And uh, she's she's been out there on the wing already, and you know, I don't know. I never know what the next step is, Matteo. Yeah, word. That's good, actually. Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to. I don't think any of us do. It might have a hot shower though. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I, I'm good for. I'm, I could go for one. I go for a cold one right now. <laughs> um, so this is one thing I want to start asking everyone that's really into winging, is, and I, we're pretty much done. Um, but this. I want you to go just briefly because it shouldn't take you long step by step what you do when you want to get started on on the board you're already out in the water you have a wing in your hand and a board it's all strapped to you with all these stupid fucking leashes mm. just real quick what do you do holding the wing um by the front handle okay with which you... hand your up one hand, your down one hand. Um, your down one hand. Okay. Now the front handle you'd have with your up one hand, your down one hand you'd have like on the first two handles. Right now everything's kind of got a slide bar mm -hmm. um, or just a mini one. So you can hand the front one that you'd be surfing and hanging onto while you're surfing. So you're holding onto the front like this. I know you can't see it, but you'd have the front handle and the very front handle. Um, on the front of the wing and then as you kind of get a little bit of wind you switch your hands back and you're on your knees because you're going to be on a board big enough to be on your knees but how did you get to your knees oh you can just kneel on it okay yeah so you got the you have the all right this is this is i didn't do good asking this question but i because i've been asking all my buddies because this is the hardest part about wing it's getting fucking actually just getting to my feet like for me i lay with my body across the board a hand one hand on the wing i climb up on the board get on my knees pass the wing to my hands yeah powered up yeah get one foot up then the other and then i take off mm -hmm. but all that stuff mm -hmm. 
is like a process that you have to repeat over and over and over. Oh, and yeah. it's the hardest part for me. So one, I'll guess a couple tricks. One thing is if you're, if you're cutting bobbed around on your board and you're having a hard time balance on your knees, you put the wing, you pull the wing up to you on your leash and you hold about six inches back on the leash. And then you just have it sitting there oh, cool. and you get up on your knees and you use the front leading edge of the wing to balance. Like and when you're on, on a sinker, you have to, or not a sinker, but even something that's like sinking a bit, you have to use that yeah. and you stay low. Then you switch it, your up hand, your upwind hand is going to go onto like the front part of the wing on your like surf handle. And then you're going to reach back with your backhand. You're still kneeling, but you're all low. And then you switch the front hand kind of like back and you're kind of holding it. And then you put it up into the wind. And the biggest thing is when you want to get up to your feet, here's the biggest tip that I've never heard on like Damien Leroy or anything is that you lift your eyes up and look ahead. Uh. Don't look at the front of your board. Look at the like look straight ahead and get to your feet. And it's way easier to like use the wind. And you start feeling it pull you along. And when you're going to go to your feet, don't look down at your feet. It's like riding a motorcycle or a bicycle. Like you don't want to look down over your front tire. You want to look like six feet ahead. Yeah. In winging, I find like looking like way out. Then you just kind of like pop to your feet and the board's right there. Nice. Yeah, there's and nothing to helps. see. I still tell myself that like three years later. Look ahead. Yeah. Because sometimes it gets like super crazy. And I miss my board, like if I'm out in like a lot of swell and the board's like, whoa, and I'm like, just look ahead and you'll like jump onto your board. And nice. That's, yeah, that's a really good tip. Eyes up. Don't yeah. look down. I keep meaning to put a note on the on the tip of my board, like, what are you looking at? Like, there's really nothing to see down here. No. Except bad balance. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> that's really helped me. So I tell that to everybody that I'm... Word. trying to tell them like oh look this is what you need to do to get up on this thing i've actually found it's easier to get my front foot up while i'm still leaning on the, the leading edge like you talked about because that's the hardest move for me is the front foot so while i'm i just get to my knees i have both hands on the leading edge while it's in the water get my front foot up yeah. so i'm one one kneel down and then get the kite in my hands and power it up and then i'm good if, if i can get my kite to my hands and get power in it that getting that back foot down is like easy because the kite almost pulls you up to standing. Yeah, and I guess we should clarify that I'm a semi midget and you're yeah. actually really tall. I'm practically two feet taller than you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Getting my front foot up's easy. Dude, it's not for me. Look at these. Look, these are all scars. That's all scar tissue. From what? From winging. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. I've had that oh, yeah. one. And even on the tops of my Oh, chairs, yeah, I get those too. Looks like I got crucified. Oh, I know. Uh, They're brutal. Well, sweet, dude. Those are brutal. <laughs> I know those. It took so long to heal oh. from these, man. Oh, yeah. mine festered too. Oh, no, it's fully ulcerated. Yeah, because I just kept going. I went, I tried to not let it stop me. But... Well, thanks for coming on the foil cast, Andy. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. Stoked. Yeah. Um, forever I think we did pretty good. Forever stoked. Let's wrap this fucker up. I'm stopping right now. <laughs>